will fix you. Hello, it's We Will Fix You again for some fixing. <laughs> I love a bit of fixing. Now, before we start, I just want to um, issue the reminder that I got from the Department of State. Um, yes, yes, you can make an omelette technically without breaking a few eggs, but that prototype teleporter is government property and if you break it, you will have to pay for it. But you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs without breaking a few teleporters, it's just... But the economics. Joining me this evening on our odyssey of fixing, we have Ms. Lucy Boys, Chief Embalmer, London Necropolis. Hello. Myself, Roger Hart, the only person ever to fall for that thing about removing gullible from the dictionary. And uh, Mr. Dave Convery, the last and most determined night soil man. Good evening. We as ever can be asked questions at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. And today, the question that we have been asked to that very address reads thus. Hi team, a little informal. That's what my dentist used to say to my family when we all came in for a group consultation. Hi team. Oh, that's, that's, did you look him up on the sex offenders register? He had a very large beard. Probably yes. The question continues. Donald Trump is president. Need I say more? Well, yes, because it turns out everything is shit. There is a fascist in the White House, and the UK is hell-bent on tearing itself out of the EU and removing all of the benefits of membership that British and British resident EU citizens have enjoyed for the last 40-odd years. I want to emigrate to a better place. I have two years remaining before my EU visa expires. Where should I go? Alistair. Now, um... <clears throat> I feel Alistair has a solid point. How shall we help him? Mr. Connery. One word. Secession. So, I don't think this, oh, I should move somewhere else, is really trying hard enough or addressing the fundamental root cause of the issue, which is other people. You mentioned both the UK and the US in that, uh, in that question, which suggests that it's not just where you live, but other people who happen to be awful as well. So, you're going to want to secede. It's the only way that you've got absolute control over the entire population of your country and you can guarantee that people 100% agree with your views no matter how much you change them. So, you're going to have to deal with a certain amount of international fuckery, but the nation of Alastralia I want to kick back if you use that, by the way. It's a good um, one. It's a really good mm, one. Might mm. might be able to be a member state of the EU if it is contained within uh, within the borders of, of Europe. Um, I would suggest, therefore, you might want to look at founding a micronation based somewhere in the Republic of Ireland. Mm. So, I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be a big... It's going to be a big task. There's a lot. There's a lot to do here. A faff. But a project can be a nice distraction. True. So, what makes a nation? A nation is a nation if other states recognise it as such. Under declarative theory, outlined in the 1933 Montevideo Con uh, Convention on the Rights and Duties of States, we all know that, it's a fucking mm. knee slapper, the state, as a person of international law, should possess the following qualifications. A. Permanent population. B. Defined territory. C. Government. And D. 
the capacity to enter into relations with other states. One diplomat in civilization terms, right? Yes. A person, several fences, and an email address, mm. realistically. .gov. .australia. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, oh, you could get your own top-level domain. That's Is nice, .al taken? Probably. I would imagine so, yes. Algeria. Yeah, the, the top-level domain may actually be harder than establishing the nation. Those, the W3 Corp moves slowly. There are... .biz.horse.fuck, though. You could easily name your nation one of those things. .gov.biz.horse.fuck. Yeah. .xxx. .xxx. Yeah. .pizza. So there are five ways of establishing that you're a country. The first is traditional sovereignty, which is having states as a sovereign nation. You exchange ambassadors. That might be a bit much for one person. You've got to gift wrap them both and put a label on so you know which one is which. Yeah, and also give them the receipt because it's embarrassing if they mm-hmm. don't want them. Um, you need to accept and issue passports and you need membership in international organisations. Presumably you still want to be part of the EU, that should cover that. This usually includes the possession of actual territory, so you are going to need to have defined and presumably defended borders. Easier, you could be a ship under the flag of convenience, a ship off the coast of a sovereign nation. Liberia's a good one, Panama's a good one. These are usually just money-making schemes. Um, Litigation. Uh, You can use the law of a larger nation or a macronation, as, as micronations tend to refer to them as, uh, in order to claim your independence. Find some sort of legal loophole within the company you want to effectively parasitize uh, and use their own laws against them. The fuckers won't know what's coming. Um, out of sight, out of mind. Establish your nation in a remote area, far from authority. This might be indistinguishable to the naked eye from a still in the woods, but you might have a nice time. Um, and well, so that would give you some historical precedent if you did want to sort of get around to the other stuff later. Yeah. All of these things can be stacked. You can start with something and build up to fully declaring yourself as an independent territory. The other one you can do is set up as a model country, which is a, a project designed to resemble the aspects of nationhood without actually seeking sovereignty. So generally, this is a website saying, hello, I am not a crank. I'm an this idealist. Is, this is my country. Um, and that, of course, could be parlayed later into something if you happen to buy a small stretch of land somewhere. Think those over. Um, you're going to need little bits of land and infrastructure, and I don't want to tell you what's best for you, only you know your situation and how comfortable you are on large leaking rafts somewhere off the coast of Norfolk. There's there always are, a channel fort. There is always a channel fort, and I will get to those. But the, the one thing to be careful, the one thing I should caution about here, is if all of your um, borders are going to be within another nation, and for borders I of course mean your fences and driveway, um, then you are going to need to pay them for essential services. And that is harder as part of an ongoing trade agreement with another nation than it is just setting up a direct debit. So mm-hmm. um, be careful with that. Um, you're going to need to be able to issue passports and you need a flag. Uh, My rates are very reasonable if you need those designed. You can make both of those yourself very easily and they look incredibly professional. Yeah. Just a sewing machine, your own home printing press. But I'll, I mean, I'll do it and I won't hide a goatsy in the uh, holographic foil on the passport if you pay me a little extra. So, Mr. Hunt, you mentioned... What what if his flag is goatsy? Because you designed it. Well, it can be if you like. I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not here to tell you what to do. You are the proud 
member of a newly independent nation. You're working for Australia here. Now, you mentioned offshore... Uh, abandoned forts. Abandoned I, like, sea I do forts. like a coastal fort. So Sealand is the, the sort of classic, classic example of a micronation. Sealand, of course, being an old Thames, uh, sorry, an old Channel fort just off the east coast of England. Um, it's been a lot of things over the years. It's been a pirate radio station. It's been a data center. It's been a passport issuing system. And they've they've really been the model for micronations based in sort of based in Western Europe in a lot of ways. And they've been a pretty terrible model. They've had really bad time issuing their own money. Um, one of their former members, of which there have been only maybe five or ten in total, left and started issuing Sealand passports from somewhere on mainland Europe. They've Ooh. had awful succession battles. It's been people laugh at them in the papers. It's not very nice. People do laugh at them in the papers. Well, I mean, they tried to set up as a data, like a no questions asked data center for whatever you wanted, apparently oblivious to the fact that they were entirely dependent on the UK for undersea cabling to provide their internet connection, which was swiftly severed. Also, the trouble with no questions asked data centers is that there are really some questions that should be asked. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. Like, if, are they children? Are they naked? Do they want to be there? If your entire country is based on, on basically providing services to child pornographers, it might not be founded with the best philosophical framework. Yeah, I also query the fiscal prudence of backing an entire country onto the non-standard. Mm. It is not a it's it's not a stable standard. In fact, you should probably just fork Bitcoin. My favourite off- offshore uh, micronation was uh, New Atlantis which was founded in 1966 by Lester Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway's brother. It was, was he one of the Hemingways who didn't kill himself? Yeah, I think he survived until okay. the late 80s. Unfortunately, New Atlantis did not, because it was an 8-foot by 30-foot barge and was sunk by a storm and was promptly ransacked by fishermen. If your um, country gets sunk by a storm, it's probably not a good country. You probably want something a little bit more impressive than that. Robust. Yeah, I think so. Um, On the other hand, it will be hilarious when that happens to Peter Thiel. Very true. So all that blood keeping him young. What I w- what I will do is I will leave uh, I will leave a model constitutional code and some details about how to form your own micronation in, on the, on the notes for this episode. What I will say is is that you may want to look at raising taxes and you may want to look at being a protectorate of another country. So there are some countries small enough to just hire out the armies of other countries as defence. They have a sort of shared border policy in that regard. Um, do your research, pick well, hopefully these have given you some options. One last bit of advice, the most successful micronations are those that are most effectively ignored. You don't mm. want to cause any trouble because you are a very small fish in a pond full of gigantic bastards. Helmed by madmen mostly these days as well. Generally. You want to... Um, Follow the, follow the model of Leonard Casley, who also goes as Prince Leonard of the Principality of Hutt River in Australia, or the Principality of Hutt River, if you believe Leonard. He once declared war on Australia. Having received no response, he ordered a cessation of hostilities a few days later. And I think we can all really take something from Leonard. I mean, this is a country where you get a free sausage and a slice of bread after you vote. Democracy sausage. The democracy sausage. Consider a policy like that. It'll be dandy for civic engagement. Miss boys. Well, my take on this is the problem is fundamentally people. Namely, they're awful. That's why everything is going wrong. Yes. One place where there are not a lot of humans 
is space. This is true. In a kind of ground control to major Tom sort of way. Yeah. I think that you should be trying to hurtle yourself away from this rock as fast as you can. Now, in the interest of doing this, I think, I mean, Mr. Convery's taking you through secession and forming your own micronation, which to me sounds like quite a lot of work. I think trying to begin and successfully launch your own space program sounds like even more work that you're probably not necessarily qualified to do. So instead, I took a look at some of the most prominent space agencies and what their entry requirements are, just in case you happen to fit the bill. To work for NASA as an astronaut, you need to be a US citizen. You need at least a bachelor's degree in any one of engineering, biology, physics, computer science, or maths. However, the bachelor's is a minimum requirement. They really do like it if you have additional degrees. If you've got a PhD flying around, perfect. If not, you can distract yourself from the political mess by committing the next five to seven years of your life to getting one. You need a thousand hours of piloting command time in a jet or three years of significant professional experience. Now, unless you also have a jet to hand, I would say try and get the professional experience. Mm -hmm. You also need to be able to uh, pass a space physical. No one is going to say, let's get space physical. Don't worry. Your vision... I bet they are. Uh, yeah, probably. There's cheesy darks. You need to have vision that is at least correctable to 2020 if it is not naturally 2020. They've kind of lowered the requirements on that in recent years. Your blood pressure needs to be about 140 over 90 when you sat down, and you need to be between 5 foot 2 and 6 foot 2 in height. I mean, I think they probably talk to you a bit and see if you'd be a good astronaut first as well, but those are the only requirements they actually list on the website, so not too bad. And if it's talking, you can lie. Well, precisely. Now, the European Space Agency, on the other hand, is a little bit more stringent. You need to be a member of an ESA member state. You need to be ideally between 27 and 37 years of age. They're a little bit more lax on height on the lower end, so if you're a bit shorter, good luck. You can be uh, between five and six foot two at this point. Not five two, five nothing. Mm. I didn't mm. say that very well. That's a tiny astronaut. That is a tiny astronaut, but... Dare I say it? An adorable astronaut. They they fit in the holes better. The space, the space holes. holes. Now you need to be somebody at this point who can speak and read English, which I would imagine you can from the question you sent in, unless you were using a translator, that seemed pretty good. It looked a little fancy for Google Translate. Mm, definitely, no mention of dolphins. None at all. You need a degree in natural sciences, engineering or medicine, and either postgrad study or kind of relevant work experience is also desirable. Flight experience is desirable, but not mandatory. You need to be in good health, with a satisfactory uh, medical record of normal weight and of sound mental disposition, which instantly rules me out. I don't know, I think wanting to get the fuck off this garbage planet is a pretty strong indicator of sound disposition. Yes, and I'm sure you could tell your commanding officer that and be recruited instantly. Well, so the ESA have also got a lot more psychological requirements, so a long list, which are, you know, NASA don't really get this specific for their astronauts or indeed their presidents. You need good reasoning capability, you need a good memory, good concentration, an aptitude for spatial orientation, a high level of manual dexterity, high motivation, flexibility, gregariousness, you need to be able to demonstrate empathy, low aggressiveness, space fights are bad. Space fights are how we end up with a hole in this thing and we're all going to die. No space fights. No space fights. I've seen Star Wars, space fights are awesome. The ESA disagrees with you. Yeah, they're European more, they're and very sensible. They're probably more people, aren't they? Mm. It's all CERN, it's all big tunnels underground and particles colliding. You also need emotional stability and the ability to work in an intercultural environment. You, you know, it's not just all your white bread Americans here. Different nations, different cultures, you might have to eat borscht on a spaceship. Oh, space borscht. 
So my question now to you is, do any of those things sound like things you could achieve if you don't already have the necessary educational prerequisites? Could you commit the next few years of your life to getting them? If the ultimate goal is leave this planet, I think three to five years of further study is a small price and it has the benefit of, you know, distracting you from what's going on around in the world around you. Very interesting. Enjoyable and educative as both of those were, I feel that Miss um, Boyer's Although your suggestion is clearly the most firm and actionable, Mm. getting away from this horrible place, I feel it is the most complete suggestion in terms of addressing the underlying issue. We have to an extent been asked to treat the symptoms. It's true. To pick a nation. Mr. Convery has manufactured that, the uh, the sort of um, synthetic opiates of... uh, of making this go away. Um, Be the rogue one-person nation you want to see in the world. Fair, fair. Um, Going to a better place, that was the requirement, and then asking us to where should I go. It's a bit of a wide brief. Where is better? What does better even mean? Fortunately, jingoistic dick-swinging is a thing, and lots of people have made lots of lists. So I have aggregated a number of lists and looked at some data for um, which things different countries are best at. And so I'll provide you with a selection, and you can sort of pick based on what most appeals. Um, To start with social media, it's helped amplify what's awful and broadcast a constant stream of fascism and bullshit. It's probably in a large part why that giant Deglo puckered anus is running a country. And, um, well, Turkey leads the world in Twitter censorship, um, according to Twitter's own transparency data. Less Twitter could be promising. Unfortunately, that's also becoming an oppressive regime of, of the kind that, uh, that Mr. Trump could barely aspire to. Um, may, maybe not Turkey. At the other end, the Philippines, which has the um, highest per capita rate of uh, social media usage, or South Korea, the highest um, population rate of IT literacy. Um, the Philippines has got that bad guy in charge there, doesn't it? Yeah, not awesome. Especially some of my latest suggestions. I mean, if, you, if you're going to stay off the gear, then maybe, but still not fantastic. Um, If time travel is on the table and you'd like to stay excited, Mongolia has the uh, world's uh, world's most uh, discoveries of velociraptor fossils. Got pretty good food, too. Mm. It's got everything. Uh, You won't be able to have the food and the live velociraptors at the same time unless your time machine is particularly good. You may be the food. Mm. Uh, Speaking of excitement, UN reports show that uh, Honduras has the highest murder rate, so if you either want to do some crimes or spend a lot of time jittery, you could try Honduras. Getting murdered would be preferable to being alive at this point, possibly. Deeply, deeply. Um, Nearby El Salvador, which also has the uh, the lowest density of of police coverage, so if you're doing the murdering, you could sort of hop about, go wild. And then head south to Panama, which um, tops global tables for quality of retirement. And flags of convenience. Mm. So convenient. So convenient. Uh, culturally, according to um, an article in the Wall Street Journal, at least, Nigeria tops the uh, the league for Scrabble players. It has the best Scrabble players. So if you really want to settle down and play Scrabble, you want to be in Nigeria. Canada tops uh, tops most leagues, most sort of assessments for people's self-assessment of personal freedom. Uh, Spain does very well. This is sort of 2015 data, but um, LGBT tolerance, Spain leading the pack there. Hungary sports the most porn stars per capita. They're hungry for it. I was going to go with Hung Gary, but... Uh, also works. Also also works. Or if you just prefer to watch, uh, Lithuania has uh, the fastest Wi-Fi. Taiwan leads the world in patent filing, and uh, Norwegians consume more pizza per capita than anyone else on the planet. 
Is it the good stuff though, or is it like the frozen Dr. Erdka stuff that's more like a biscuit than a pizza? I I'm not sure. We would have to check. It's worth a visit. Mm. So there are a few a few global options there, but it sounds like you're most interested in Europe, or at least the bits of it that didn't just vote to become an internationally irrelevant backward racist shithole. So. Bulgaria has the cheapest electricity in Europe, and uh, Belgium has the highest recycling rates. Um, also, fantastic beer. I would personally recommend Belgium. Ghent is actually a very pleasant place. Seems a little dull, but genuinely very nice. Um, France has the lowest obesity rates, if you're concerned about your health and general trends there. They'll um, shame you into not eating, even though the food is great. That is a problem. Um, if you're still planning on planning on working, Germany tops Europe's tables for job satisfaction. Um, the workforce is generally um, happier in Germany. But I find it really hard to argue with robots. Now, a 2012 European Commission study on public attitude to, attitudes to robots and robotics showed that Slovakia is the most favourable environment for robots. 20% of the population, this is partly due to pervasive work in manufacturing, had at least some familiarity with robots or working with robots. 95% of the people polled had a favourable sentiment towards robots and robotics, and Slovakia was at the bottom of the table of European nations that believed robots and robotics should be banned from schools. Only 19% of the people polled in Slovakia felt that robots should be kept out of our schools, God damn it. Slovakia, very, very welcoming to robots. So, um, Which is good, because they're going to take all of our jobs. Yeah, and have a nice time in Slovakia. And do all of our podcasts. Yeah, um, which could also be in clanky robotic Slovakian in future. Mm. I, I think if, if robots are your bag, and goodness knows they're mine, um, Slovakia could be promising. The clincher, however, I think, is that um, alongside fantastic food, really quite nice weather in places... Um, Nice scenery, really sort of being good for walking, um, long, venerable cultures, some fantastic architecture, and that LGBT tolerance we mentioned. Spain has Europe's largest and healthiest wolf population. Mm, Los Lobos. Uh, Ukraine and Belarus come close. Spain sports uh, round about 3,000 at the last estimate. Turkey claimed 7,000, but those estimates are believed to be heavily inflated. Poor Switzerland, bless it, boasts only a single pack as of 2013, and, according to Wikipedia, some lone wolves. This may have changed since. Global wolf population is, is 30,000, so, uh, sorry, 300,000. So, um, actually, Spain has a fairly healthy bite out of that. The rest are mostly in Russia, and you can find more data at the International Wolf Centre. I will. There we have it. My suggestion for wolves, tolerance, and fine cheeses would be to move to Spain. And there we have it. A few simple fixins. The micronation. The secession. The move to space. Chasing the dream of high murder rates, fast Wi-Fi, and constant, cuddly, affirmatory lupine company while, while perhaps munching a little manchigo with some embryo on the side. Delicioso. Yeah. Qué rico. Muy bien. Muy bien. Yeah.